Welcome to Didache, where we are studying to show ourselves approved, rightly dividing the word of truth so we can worship God in spirit and truth, deepening our knowledge of God, thereby enabling us to deepen our love for God. Here is your host, Justin Peters. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Justin Peters. I hope that you and your family are doing very well today. I want to thank you very much for tuning in and joining me for the first official installment of my brand new podcast entitled Didache. And Didache is the Greek word for teaching or doctrine, and that will be the focus of our time together. And uh, as we begin, let me just give you a, a very brief overview and introduction to myself. I would imagine that most of you listening to this are at least somewhat familiar with me, but just in case I have some brand new listeners and people tuning in to me for the first time, my name is Justin Peters. I was born and reared in Vicksburg, Mississippi. By the way, I say reared because I've always heard that you raise livestock, but you rear children. So I was born and reared in Vicksburg, Mississippi, and I was born with cerebral palsy. I have a moderate case of CP. There are some people with cerebral palsy that are far, far worse off than I am. And uh, one one such individual that comes to my mind immediately is a sweet, sweet sister in the Lord named Debbie Lynn Kespert, K-E-S-P-E-R-T. And um, ladies, for those uh, ladies who are listening to me, I would commend her online ministry to you. Uh, do a Google search of Headstick Deb. Headstick, one word, Headstick Deb, D-E-B. And uh, commend her to you. She calls herself Headstick Deb because she has an apparatus that uh, her husband John straps to her head and she can type with that. Her CP or cerebral palsy is so severe that she's uh, unable to, her speech is severely, severely affected and she's unable to type, use her hands, and so she types with a headstick. But I commend her to you. So, uh, all of that to say, cerebral palsy can be very, very severe, as her case is, or it can, on the other end of the spectrum, it can be very light. You wouldn't even know someone had it unless he or she told you. And I'm, my case, I'm kind of stuck somewhere in the middle. By God's grace, my speech is not affected. And so I can preach and teach, but I do walk on crutches and I use a, an electric three-wheel scooter for longer distances. So uh, anyway, I was born with cerebral palsy. And when I was a, a teenager, a neighbor of mine came up to me and he said, Justin, God has spoken to me. He's told me that he's going to heal you as long as you have enough faith. And at age 16, this really struck a chord with me. I wanted to be healed. I wanted to run and jump and play with all the other little boys, you know, that kind of thing, and uh, play football, do all those things that I thought were so important. And so I really latched on to that. I went to see some faith healers in hopes of being healed. And, uh, of course, I was not healed. Uh, but that was my first introduction to the Word of Faith movement, more commonly known as the Health and Wealth Prosperity Gospel. Uh, fast forward a number of years, I uh, was a seminary student at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, enrolled in seminary, and I earned a Master of Divinity and a Master of Theology. And as the for the thesis for my Master of Theology degree, I wrote my thesis on Benny Hinn and the Word of Faith movement. Uh, I really had an interest in this, and so uh, I, I began to study it, and I began to realize how thoroughly heretical 
the word faith movement is, the health and wealth gospel. And so I went to a number of Benny Hinn crusades as part of my research, wrote my master's thesis on Benny Hinn. This was back in 2002. And uh, then a couple of years later, there was a church in Hamilton, Alabama, First Baptist Church, Hamilton, Alabama, that heard of my research and they were very interested because there's a TBN personality by the name of Karen Wheaton who lives in Hamilton, Alabama. She has a ministry, quote unquote, ministry called The Ramp and a um, very divisive thing in the town and she's full-blown word of faith. And when this church heard about my research into it, they asked me to come out and teach on that subject matter, on the on the issue of the Word of Faith movement. And so my very first seminar I did in October of 2004 in Hamilton, Alabama. And then after that, doors just began to open for me um, all across the country, traveling, teaching on this issue. Pretty soon I'm traveling internationally. And um, my uh, the early version of my seminar was entitled A Call for Discernment. I've now retitled it. It's now called Clouds Without Water. So uh, a lot of people, when they think of me, they think of the Word of Faith movement. That's what I'm kind of known for. I've become typecast, uh, theologically typecast, I suppose. Uh, but it is not my only interest. Uh, that is the, the lion's share of the invitations that I get to come and preach and teach. But it is not at all my only interest. Uh, my first commitment is to expository preaching, preaching the Word of God verse by verse, letting the text determine the content and direction of the sermon, because that is where the true power is, is in the biblical text, not in any funny stories or anecdotes or anything that we might uh, dream up out of our own imagination. So I'm, I'm committed to the authority and the inerrancy and the, and the sufficiency of Scripture. So uh, by God's grace now, I have preached, I think, in 43 of our 50 states. And I've preached in 27 different countries around the world, been in some countries multiple times, but 27 different ones. And so I'm very grateful for that, that God has given me this opportunity, this ministry of evangelism. And then, um, so about 10 years ago now, in a couple months, I'm, I married a wonderful lady named Kathy. Kathy is originally from Billings, Montana. Uh, we met back in early 2009. We got married in August of 2010. But uh, Kathy was saved out of the Roman Catholic Church. She was reared in the Roman Catholic Church her entire life, saved uh, as an adult out of the Roman Catholic Church, and shortly after her conversion, she, someone brought to her attention or told her about John MacArthur, and she just started immersing herself in John MacArthur's sermons and books. And um, back in those days, his his teaching material was disseminated on cassette tapes. And so she called up the ministry and she asked them, she said, do you have a, a catalog of your resources? And they said, yes, we do. And so she requested one. They sent her a catalog <laughs> and she called them back and she said, I want everything in here. <laughs> she said, I want everything you got. And so I, I think as Kathy told me, they, they sent like two or three giant boxes of, of cassettes and books and she just devoured it. And uh, I tell you, my, 
My wife is a uh, she is a theologian in her own right. She is not one to get up and uh, speak publicly to a group of ladies. Of course, she would never dream of doing it to men because that would be unbiblical. But um, she's not a you know she's not a a public speaker or anything. But she excels at one on one discipleship and uh, teaching ladies. She really excels in that. And uh, though she has never been to seminary, I would put her up against just about anyone in her Bible knowledge and um, application. She's just a very, very sound, a tremendous helpmeet to me. So um, we live now in Bozeman, Montana, and uh, we are members of Grace Bible Church there in Bozeman, or here in Bozeman, Montana. And uh, so that is our home church. I, I travel quite a bit, as I said, preaching and teaching. I'm gone about about 35% of the time. In any given year, I'm on the road about 35% of the time, uh, 40 at the most. That would be really high. But but I intentionally try to limit my traveling in preaching and teaching to that because I don't want to be away from my home church uh, any more than I have to be. I mean, this is my ministry. This is what I do. So I have to be gone quite a bit. But I am not one of these evangelists who is never at his home church. I just I know some evangelists like that, and I just don't think that it's healthy uh, either for the evangelists because we need that accountability, we need that fellowship with the local body of believers. But uh, it's not good for the church either. Uh, we, you know, uh, we we should be a part of and accountable to a local body of believers, and uh, so I'm a big believer in that. So even though this is my ministry, what I do, I do try to limit uh, my traveling to to about 35 or so percent of the time. Call it a third there, give or take a little bit. So um, I have written two books thus far. Uh, the first book I wrote was back in 2016 entitled Do Not Hinder Them, A Biblical Examination of Childhood Conversion. And in that, I deal with some of the precautions that we should take with children uh, before we baptize them, just because a child has made intellectual assent to some basic gospel facts and professes faith in Christ does not necessarily mean that that child is ready to be baptized. And so I deal with some of the precautions that we should take with children uh, before we rush them off into the baptistry, how to be able to tell when conversion has really taken place in the life of your child. I've written another book, and it is entitled clouds without water uh however you say that in russian and i don't know and the reason i say russian is because um uh long story short a, a, a missionary contacted me a year or so ago i guess maybe almost two years ago now and just really desperate he's done all almost all of his missionary work in russia and really desperate to get my seminar on the word of faith movement into a book format for the Russian people, and he asked me to to do that, and so I wrote a short book, and it was it had to be short because the they want to reproduce these and disseminate them as widely as possible. Of course, the shorter the book, the more copies you can make. Uh, just a cost factor there, everything from production to, to shipping. So uh, I think the book ended up being about eighty or ninety pages. So so uh, I have clouds. I have my seminar in book form, but you. Can, Unless you speak Russian, you won't be able to read it. So, uh, but that is kind of the what I'm going to do is I'm going to go back and with that skeletal 
uh, framework, if you will, that book. I'm going to go back and put some more meat on the bones and then make that my English version, uh, Clouds Without Water, and uh, be more comprehensive, just more uh, more fleshed out than the Russian version is thus far. So um, that, I have a, a YouTube channel. I'm pretty active on YouTube. If you look me up on YouTube, Justin Peters Ministries, you can subscribe to my YouTube channel there. I've got, um, I don't know, 50 or so videos up on my YouTube channel, and I, I try to put one up, uh, one or two up every every week or two, something like that. And now, of course, the Didache podcast, and uh, some, of course some other things. I'm teaching a class right now at a, a little church in Billings on the fundamentals of the faith, going through that with them. So I, anyway, a lot of different irons in the fire, but that's a brief overview of me and this ministry that God has graciously entrusted me to. So uh, let me give you a a bird's eye view of my theology. Again, most of you probably at least somewhat familiar with me, but I want to spend the rest of our time together and give you a bird's eye view of my theology. And then, Lord willing, our next program, we will get into uh, some some more issues. I'll tell you more about that in just a little bit. So my theology, what do I believe? What do I teach? I teach, number one, that the Bible, 66 books of the Bible, constitute God's written revelation of himself to mankind. I believe in the inerrancy of Scripture. I believe that the Bible is inerrant, that it is without error, that it is infallible, that it will do what God has decreed it to do. I believe in the verbal plenary inspiration of Scripture, and what that means is that all of Scripture is equally inspired, all of its parts equally inspired from Genesis 1-1 to Revelation 22-21, every word inspired by God and His Holy Spirit. I believe the Bible is not only authoritative and inerrant and infallible, I believe that it is also sufficient for everything that we need. And this is one of the things that I really champion in my preaching and teaching is the sufficiency of Scripture. It, it The Bible is everything that we need in pertaining to life and godliness. It is everything that we need as Christians to be thoroughly equipped unto every good work for the glory of Christ. The Bible is everything that we need. Hermeneutics. Now, hermeneutics is a fancy word for how to interpret Scripture. I believe in um, biblical hermeneutics, that that every verse in Scripture in the Bible has but one meaning. Um, many verses may have multiple possible applications, but every verse in the Scripture has only one meaning. For example, love your neighbor as yourself. What does that mean? It means to love your neighbor as yourself. How can you apply it? Well, you can apply that verse in any number of different ways, but it's only got one meaning. So, uh, you will never hear me ask the question, what does this verse mean to you? Uh, because it doesn't matter what the verse means to you. does not matter what the verse means to me. What matters is, is what does it mean? Uh, get to the meaning of the text. I follow the literal, grammatical, historical approach. Uh, in other words, I want to get to the authorial intent. Uh, what what the, was the intent of the author's? Uh, what does that? What does the scripture originally mean? Um, if you, I tell people, if you come up with a meaning of a verse, 
that would not have made sense to its original recipients, then you've got the wrong meaning. Okay, hermeneutics. So I also believe in creation. Uh, I believe that God created this world in six literal 24-hour days. I do not believe in the gap theory. I do not believe that God created billions of years ago and used evolution to do it as the people who hold the theistic evolution would maintain. I reject that out of hand. I think that is absolute heresy to believe in theistic evolution uh, because you have enormous problems with the biblical text. The Bible is very clear. Read it in Genesis 1 and 2. God created in six literal 24-hour days. I'm a big believer in that. I'm a big believer in the young earth, that the earth is not billions of years old. The earth is a handful of thousands of years old, somewhere on the order of 6,000 years, give or take. So um, uh, I believe that Adam and Eve were two historical people. I do not believe that Adam and Eve looked like orangutans or monkeys. They were two historical uh, real people directly handmade by God. I believe that they were created uh, without sin, but then they later willfully entered into sin. So biblical, a biblical view of creation. Uh, I, I do not believe that the old earth view as some, uh, some pe- there are some people out there who would say they believe that the Bible is inerrant. It's infallible. It's all these things like we've been talking about, but uh, the earth is very old. Uh, you, you just can't believe in a, in a young earth. The earth is old. God made it billions of years ago, uh, 4.5, whatever, billions of years ago. I, I think that is a completely untenable position to have if you begin with Scripture. Absolutely untenable. And you have enormous problems. You, you run into, uh, you have death, for example, before you have sin. If these days were just symbolic of millions of years and uh, well you've got you've got sin or excuse me you've got death before sin you can't have that uh and when you look at the creation order in genesis god created the plants before he did the sun now those plants that vegetation could live 24 hours without the sun no big deal uh cannot live millions of years without the sun so you you're you're absolutely constrained to a young earth, God creating in six literal 24-hour days. Okay, talk about a little bit what we, what I believe and teach about God. I believe in one living and true God, perfect in all of his attributes, and who eternally exists in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. I am not a polytheist. I am a monotheist. I believe in one God who has existed and will continue to exist eternally in three persons. God the Father is God, very God. God the Son, God, very God. God the Holy Spirit, God, very God. Uh, in the full, in in each of these persons, in the Father, in the Son, in the Holy Spirit, you have the fullness of deity, and yet. It is one God. He is one God in three persons. Now, does that make your 
mind uh, scramble a little bit. Of course it does. It, it makes mine scramble. I, I, my finite mind cannot grasp that. But I believe that because that is what the Bible teaches. One God in three persons. Okay, um, man. Talk a little bit about what I believe about man. I believe that man is directly handmade by God in his own image. Man is unique in this, and he stands above all of the rest of the created order. Man is separate from the animals. He is, unlike the animals, created in the image of God. Cats and dogs and horses and aardvarks and platypuses, platypi, whatever the plat- plural platypus is, uh, man is unique, created in the image of God. None of the other created or is. Man was created free of sin, but then he willfully sinned against God. And because of that rebellion and transgression against God, all of mankind is now fallen. We are all sinners. We are sinners by nature and by choice. And our sin has incurred the righteous wrath of God. Okay, talk a little bit about salvation. I believe that salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, to the glory of God alone. We are all in need of a Savior. We are all sinners And our sin has incurred the righteous wrath of God. And God has sent his son, Jesus Christ, to this earth who lived a perfect life, never broke any of God's laws, lived a perfect life to the perfect glory of God. And then Jesus willingly laid down his life on the cross. Jesus, this perfect God, fully God, fully man, laid his life down on the cross, bore the wrath of God. He offered his perfect life as a perfect sacrifice to perfectly satisfy the perfect wrath of God. He died on the cross, satisfying the wrath of God that burns against the sins of his people. And on the third day, bodily raised from the dead, proving himself to be who he said he was, God in human flesh. And the one who will repent of sin, turn from sin, and place his trust in the risen Lord Jesus Christ, his finished work on the cross, will be saved. That person will pass from death to life. I do believe that both repentance and faith are gifts granted to us by God. God grants these things to us. We cannot do them on our own. We cannot earn our own salvation. Uh, These are gifts of God. All right. Election. I want to talk a little bit about the doctrine of election. And as I do this, I'm probably going to lose, (laughs) oh, I don't know, some of my listeners. But please hear me out. I do believe in election. I believe in the doctrine of election. Election is the gracious act of God in eternity past by which he chooses to redeem some of mankind for himself and as a love gift from the Father to the Son. I believe that God has chosen from eternity past those whom he will save. The doctrine of election in no way negates man's responsibility or accountability before God to repent and trust Christ. Man is dead in trespasses and sins. He can do nothing of his own. His works are his filthy rags. He's not spiritually sick. He's spiritually dead. And so God must make us alive through the working of his Holy Spirit as he convicts of sin, righteousness, and judgment. 
and that initial faith in Christ, that initial repentance from sin unto salvation is granted by God, and he does that because he has chosen his own, a group of people from the from the rest of humanity as his own inheritance, as a love gift from the Father to the Son. That is what the Bible teaches. The Bible also teaches that man is responsible and accountable before God. And anyone who there there is no one who will go to hell who does not deserve to go to hell. There is no injustice with God at all. Man is responsible and accountable. Well, how can how can you teach that God has elected some and passed over others and yet man is still responsible and accountable? I can teach those things because the Bible teaches these things. The Bible teaches both the sovereignty of God and the responsibility and accountability of man. Much in the same way that our finite minds cannot fully grasp the Trinity, our finite minds cannot fully grasp that tension between the sovereignty of God and the responsibility and accountability of man. We can't fully grasp these things, but we believe these things. We teach these things because the Bible teaches them. And uh, Charles Spurgeon said once, and I don't even have this quote in front of me in my notes. I'm just thinking of it. Uh, But Charles Spurgeon said, as well might a finite creature. Excuse me. Let me back up. I should have written this down. Okay. Charles Spurgeon said this, as well might a gnat, G-N-A-T, as well might a gnat seek to drink in the ocean. So might a finite creature seek to comprehend the eternal God. In other words, our finite minds cannot fully grasp what is infinite. But these are the things that Scripture teaches, and so we believe them and we teach them to others, fully believing them, even though we cannot fully understand them. I believe in eternal security. Uh, The phrase, once saved, always saved, is not in the Bible, but the concept is certainly taught. I believe that the Bible does clearly teach eternal security. Salvation is a gift given by God that will not and cannot be revoked. The Bible says that the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. God does not take back that which he gives. Eternal security. Once God saves you, you will be saved to the uttermost. You cannot lose your salvation. You cannot. We are given by the Father to the Son. He holds, Jesus holds us in his hand. And if you read there in John chapter 10, uh, verses 26, 27, 28, 29, Jesus holds us in his hand, and then he wraps the Father's hand, as it were, around that of his own. In verse 29, he holds us securely. We are held in the hand of Christ. Christ's hand is held in the hand, if you will, of the Father, and that is very secure, dear one. Once God saves you, you will be saved to the uttermost for all of eternity. Talk just a minute about what I believe about the church The church is the body of Christ composed of those whom he has called out from the world. In fact, the word church, ecclesia, is literally derived from um, ek. The prefix there, ek, means out. And kaleo is the Greek word for call. So literally the called out ones. Uh, The church are those who have been called out by God's sovereign grace, passed from death to life, 
and there are local bodies uh, of the of the church all over the world. And I can attest to that. I've been, uh, by his grace, all over the world. The church is the body of Christ. It is the bride of Christ. Christ is the head of the church. And all believers are commanded to and should want to be a part of a local body of believers that is led by biblically qualified men, elders, committed to the expositional preaching of the word of God committed to uh, evangelism and the Lord's Supper and believers baptism, those two ordinances, church discipline per Matthew 18. And if you are a Christian, uh, you should want to belong to a body, local body of believers, a local church. There is no excuse for not being a member, a part of a local body of believers. Uh, those who profess to be Christians and yet have no interest no desire to be part of a local body. They have, uh, they have every reason to examine themselves to see if they are in the faith, and they have removed themselves from what of one of God's primary means of grace in our lives, and and that is the fellowship of the saints uh, that we experience in a local church. Talk just a minute about spiritual gifts. One of the common misconceptions about me is that I do not believe in spiritual gifts. Uh, I cannot tell you how many times I've heard people say, Oh, Justin doesn't believe in the gifts. Well, Justin does believe in the gifts. I do believe that every believer, every person upon his conversion is given by the Holy Spirit of God, who now indwells him, is given a spiritual gift. Um, I think every person has a primary spiritual gift or two uh, that we are are better in than others. Uh, But every person, every Christian has a spiritual gift. I believe in the gifts of teaching and mercy and administration and exhortation, the gift of giving, the gift of hospitality, all of these gifts. What I do not believe, however, is that the apostolic gifts, the sign gifts, continue to be in operation today and that if you believe in those the continuance of those gifts, or as some have pointed out, and I think rightfully so, the restoration of those gifts. Uh, don't mean to confuse you with that because that, that'll be something, maybe something we can talk about later. But if you believe that, for example, there is still in the church operative today the gift of tongues, the gift of interpretation of tongues, the gift of healing. Uh, if you believe that those gifts are still operative, then that means that you are a charismatic. I am not a charismatic. I do not believe there are apostles today, modern day capital A apostles, people who hold that office. I do not believe that. And it logically follows, and there's much else we could say about this, but if there are no more apostles today, there are no more apostolic gifts today. I So I do not believe I, I do not believe that anyone today has the gift of healing, as did the apostles back in the early days of the church in the first century. I do not believe that that gift, the apostolic gifts, continue. I do, however, believe that God still heals people today, but only when it is his sovereign will to do so. So, uh, no more apostolic gifts, no more gifts of healing today, even though God still heals. Two different things. Okay. All right. So, uh, eschatology. Now, I know... uh, (laughs) I've probably already lost some people with my doctrine of election, my view of election, probably lost a few people. I hope not uh, because of my 
belief in uh, that the apostolic gifts have ceased today, the cessationist position. And dear friends, let me say too, as, as I'm thinking about it, if you're listening and you hear me say something and you just think, man, I do absolutely do not believe that. I, I would encourage you, don't don't write me off just because you maybe hear something uh, that you with which you would not agree. If it's, you know, it's one of these secondary issues, cessationism, charismatic, um, eschatology, view of the end times, uh, there, there, there are things, there are issues that we can have differences of opinion on and still have fellowship in Christ. Okay. Now, not when it comes to the fundamentals, not when it comes to things like the deity of Christ, the atonement on the cross, salvation by grace alone, the faith alone, Christ alone. There's no wiggle room there. Uh, on cessationism, is there some wiggle room? Yes, there is, but I, I believe that that's a very serious issue. I, I believe that people who are charismatic are in serious error because you cannot hold to that position and the sufficiency of Scripture at the same time. Too much to flesh out in this introductory program. Uh, but it's not in and of itself a salvific issue. It doesn't mean that if you are a charismatic that you're lost. I, I do not teach that. Some people have said I do. I don't. Never have taught that. Um, so maybe you maybe you're listening to me and you you are a charismatic. I would encourage you just to to continue to listen, please. Um, as of right now, I don't even have any immediate plans on dealing with that issue. I'm sure we will at some point later on down the road, but I don't have any immediate plans to. But um, anyway, uh, please continue to to listen. All right, uh, eschatology, my view of the end times. This is another one of those issues that we can have differences of opinion with one another, and I hope I don't lose any of my listeners uh, when I play my cards here on what my eschatology is. I know that not everyone who holds, as do I, to the doctrine of election uh, holds to the same eschatology uh, that I've got, but I am a I am a premillennialist. I believe I'm pre-trib. I believe that the rapture is the next event on the eschatological timeline. Eschatology, by the way, simply means doctrines of last things. So I I believe uh, that the rapture will happen, then there will be the great tribulation, and then Jesus will return and set up his literal thousand-year millennial kingdom. I believe that that, and then after the thousand-year millennial kingdom, uh, then the final uh, battle of Armageddon and the eternal state. Okay, dear ones, so uh, that is an overview of my theology. By the way, I do apologize for the dinging. If some texts have come in, I'll try to figure out how to get rid of that uh, in their next program. I do apologize for that. I know that can be annoying. So uh, as we begin to wrap up here, just to talk a, a little bit about the importance of doctrine. Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16, he says, Pay close attention, take heed to your life and to your teaching, to your doctrine, to your didache. Persevere in these things, for as you do this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. Paul says, Pay close attention to your life, to your conduct, and to your doctrine. These things must be combined. Our conduct, uh, how we live our lives, as well as our doctrine. Now, there, it is possible to have sound doctrine and not live a godly life. That is possible. And unfortunately, we've seen some examples of this, haven't we? We've seen some 
uh, men that we have held in high esteem, who have sound doctrine, unfortunately, that have uh, fallen morally and forever disqualified themselves uh, from public ministry. Uh, so it is possible to have sound doctrine and not live a godly life. However, the converse of that is not possible. It is not possible to live a godly life without sound doctrine. You must have sound doctrine to live a godly life, to live a life of obedience to the commands of Scripture, all for the glory of Christ. And uh, one of the things that you'll hear me say from time to time in this program is that the Bible never separates knowledge of God and love for God. The Bible always combines these things. Paul says in Philippians chapter 1, verse 9, he says, In this I pray that your love would abound still more and more in knowledge and discernment. Knowledge and discernment. The, the Bible never separates knowledge of God and love for God. It always combines these things. And I really want to impress upon you and everyone that I teach in my ministry that it is a false dichotomy, as some people have um, have, have forwarded, that, it, that knowledge of God is one thing and love for God is another thing. And these, these things are somehow separate, like they're separate compartments. Not biblically, they're not. The, the Bible always combines these things. And the, and the reason that I've entitled this program Dedicate Doctrine is because it is by sound doctrine. It is by right theology that we deepen our knowledge of God. And as our knowledge of God is deepened, that will enable our love for God to be deepened. The more you know God, the more you will love God. The more you know him and love him, the more you will obey him and live a life of obedience to his commands, all to his glory. And that is what our lives should be about. They should be living sacrifices, lived out uh, to, the, to the glory of God, to the glory of Christ our King. So I want to, to champion these things, champion the inerrancy of Scripture, champion the sufficiency of, of Scripture, champion... Uh, deepening our knowledge of God, thereby deepening our love for God. So uh, I hope that this program, this podcast, will be a great encouragement to you, dear ones. Again, it will be twice a week. And uh, no, this is uh, typically this will probably be a longer program than that they will typically be. I, I'm, I'm going to probably try to keep our the podcast between eh, twenty and thirty minutes, something like that. Um, but we're going to talk about doctrine theology. Uh, I'm very open to your suggestions. Uh, I want to, from time to time, I want to have a Q&A session uh, at least once a month, say. So two of these a week, so eight programs per month. And one of those, one of those eight per month, I would like to have a Q&A. So uh, if you would like for me to answer your questions in a Q&A podcast <laughs> episode of my podcast, then shoot me an email. My website is justinpeters.org. I stayed up all night long trying to come up with a name for my website, justinpeters.org. My email is justin at justinpeters.org. And so if you have a question that you would like answered on the podcast, put in the subject line Q&A 
podcast or something like that. At least make sure Q&A is in there, podcast is in there, so I'll, I'll, it'll kind of catch my eye. I get flooded with emails, but I will try to uh, look out for those. So in the subject line, Q&A, podcast, something like that. And, um, and I will archive those and uh, get to those to the very best of my ability. I enjoy Q&A. I really do. I love that. I love doing Q&A as I preach and teach in churches. Uh, it's probably one of my favorite things. So, all right. Uh, the next installment, I think we will begin an overview of the Bible. We're going to just kind of give an overview of the Bible. We're going to talk, what, what does inspiration mean? What does that mean? How do we how do we know that the Bible is inspired? We'll talk about major sections in the Bible, major themes in the biblical books. So just kind of give, again, an overview of that. All right. Well, dear ones, thank you very much for joining me until our next time together. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of His Holy Spirit be with you all. Thank you for listening to Didache. We hope that you were encouraged and edified by what you just heard. If you have a question or comment for Justin, or are interested in more teaching resources, or would like to have him come and preach at your church or conference, you may contact him at justinpeters.org.